You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Turn in your Bibles, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Last week we started a new sermon series that we're calling A Christian Home. We've got this little logo we've been using. We saw that the home is the institution that God created to pass our faith in Jesus along to the next generation. We saw how the church, this church or any church, is a family of families. We are a family of families. We also saw the fact, and I think it's unarguable, that uh, the family in America is broken and has been for some time. We used the true story of the Apollo 13 crisis in 1970 to illustrate this. Remember, there was an explosion on board that spaceship, and there was a radio call back to mission control And one of the astronauts, Jim Lovell, said, Houston, we have a problem. And we really had a problem with that spaceship. It was crippled. No longer could they make it to the moon. And so those guys and ladies at Mission Control worked feverishly to get our three astronauts back home. In fact, uh, The USS Iwo Jima, the aircraft carrier, was stationed in the South Pacific, and they were told to look in the blue sky for peppermints in the sky. And that's exactly, praise be to God, what they saw. Those parachutes did open, the heat shield did hold, and those men made it back as looks like peppermints in the sky. They made it home. But church, is earth our ultimate home? No, I said it in the prayer. We're just pilgrims passing through. This is not our home. Where is home? Heaven. Yes. And in heaven, we will exist as a family just as we do here. In heaven, brothers and sisters in Christ with our heavenly Father. But until we get there, we exist in a family. Families. I want to show you a picture of my family. This was last April at Candace, my, uh, one of my middle daughter's wedding. That's a big family. There's my mom and dad on the far right end, and beside of them are George and Mary, Pam's mom and dad. And, and then you look over there on the left at uh, the lady in the red dress. That's my sister Kim and her husband Craig, and, and then uh, their daughters. And now Taylor's married and don't see it, but they've got a little baby. And, and then my family's in the middle, and there's Katie. You can't believe it. My oldest, she's married and got babies and kids. And it's amazing. It's, I'm old. <laughs> family. Aren't they wonderful? Family. This is where we've arrived in Colossians chapter 3, to the family. Wives today, husbands next week, children the following week. Today, just one verse though, ladies. (laughs) Oh, it's a good one. Ready? Colossians 3, 18. Here we go. Wives. Hang on, hang on. I'm getting. Submit. To your husbands, as is fitting, 
in the Lord. You say you're being silly. No, I'm not. How many pastors across America do you think are using this verse of text for their message today? How many do you think? Yeah, I get it. Zero. Nobody preaches this. Not today, unless you're going through books and you're studying the Scriptures as we're told to do, and I'm to give you the full counsel of Scripture so we don't skip anything. So today, wives. Next Sunday, husbands. The following Sunday, children, just as it comes in the Scripture. Wives, submit to your husbands. Can I show you the verse again? And I want to ask you a question as you look at this verse. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Is that verse divinely inspired? Okay. Is that verse bound in time? Meaning that that verse is only applicable for the first century Christians. You say, I, well... It's probably applicable for like 1950 in America. Some of you old enough to, to you know, the Leave It to Beaver and June Cleaver and is, is that verse only applicable for the first century? Let me show you another verse. Let me, if, that, if that were true, as some even in Christendom want to purport, then let me just pick out another verse. How about Romans 10, 13? You know that one? Romans 10, 13. You know what the Bible says? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Did that only apply for the first century then? See, you and I don't get to pick and choose. None of us would argue that that only applied to the first century. We'd say that's for all time, that the Word of God is timeless until we get to a verse we don't like. And then we start having people say, well, no, of course that verse was only meant for that day. Oh, so you're the authority now. So then who gets to decide? God decides. It's all His Word. Can I ask you a question? Is God dumb? I mean, that's, that's heresy to even say that. Of course he's not dumb. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he knew when he breathed out his word to 40 authors, he theonoustos, God theonoustos to breathe, that it would be applicable for all time, for all generations and all eras, period. Because God is not dumb. And he's not bound by time. So God's word is true. True? Whew. Now that we got that out of the way, we can move forward. Because we are saying and believe that the Scripture is true, that God's Word is timeless. And it is to be our guide. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's not bound by culture. Now, I want to return to Candace and Clark's wedding. Aren't weddings awesome? What a wonderful time in the life of our family. I love this picture. Of course, before a wedding, there's a rehearsal typically, and there's, you know, the rehearsal dinner. Look at those smiles. It was a wonderful time. And then, of course, the next day came in the wedding, and I walked Candace down the aisle. Now, interestingly enough, Evie was supposed to be one of the little flower girls, and she got about a third of the way down and panicked, and she ran back. And I'm like, there's, I mean, everybody's up there. And I looked at Candace and I said, what do we do? And she said, Dad, it's Evie, pick her up. I'm like, duh, of course. And so I picked up Evie. I'm proud of Candace for that. And down the aisle we came. You see the, 
the look on Candace's face, she's trying to hold it together because she's looking at Clark, who's trying to hold it to be- together because he's choking back the tears. He was overwhelmed with the moment, and so was I, to be honest. You see, I was giving my daughter away all of those years. And now Clark would be the man to take care of her and to protect her and cherish her and provide for her the rest of her life. And then it was done. The wedding was over. And in the barn they came. Again, all smiles and Candace triumphant, almost like with a trophy in her hand with her bouquet of flowers. Woohoo! And then it was time for the first dance. And Candace, the new wife, sang a song. Well, actually, it was recorded. In fact, you can actually listen to this song. It's called Clark's Song. You can listen to it on Spotify. Clark's Song. So why do you bring this up? Because the lyrics of Candace's song, I was listening to her song on Spotify the other day, and I'm like, that is Colossians 3.18. And I want to show it to you. I want you to not only see the lyrics on the screen, but I want you to hear Candace sing those words. And what you're going to see and hear is wives submit to your husbands, truly. And I want you to notice something. As you see the lyrics come up on the screen, you're going to see you, you, you. She's speaking to Clark, and then at the end, she says, I, as she applies it to herself. So now, listen to Clark's song and see the words on the screens. You're calm and quiet when I am loud. You see blue skies when I see clouds. You take off your jacket and shiver in the cold. You'd walk through the winter to save another's soul. You don't let it scare you. Things that may come You tell me our fight's already been won You'd cross through the fire You'd wade through the flood You would do anything to show me your love I don't deserve you This I know is true I've never known something as good as you You'll never leave me, you'll never walk away No matter the heartaches, no matter the pain You're so much stronger than I'll ever be You pick up the heavy so I can run free Sometimes I wonder how it could be that a man like you would love a girl like me. I don't deserve you, this I know is true. I've never known something as good as you. Away, no matter the 
no matter the pain if i ever lost you i'd fade away the light would leave me my world would turn to gray how would i do it i hope i'll never know in your arms i'm finally home i don't deserve you this i know is true i've never known something as good as you you'll never leave me you'll never walk away no matter the heartaches no matter struggles that life may bring you are my constant my steady hand of peace you're the only thing that i'll ever need isn't that beautiful yeah. Now, I'll share that with you again because as you listened and saw those lyrics, it embodies the truth of our text. Now, now let's see this again and let's, let's understand this. Colossians 3.18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And, and I want to show you what that looks like. I, I, we showed you the picture a moment ago. It's that triumphant picture. They walk in the barn. It's like, woohoo! Now, 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 look at that picture. Now, now, Clark is not not over Candace. L- look at how they're walking. And Candace is not over Clark. They're together. See, see, look at my hands now. This is the guy. This is the lady. And and they in Christ we come together. And what happens? We become what? One flesh. We become one flesh. Candace said in her song, you're calm and quiet when I'm loud. Well, you can say that again. (laughs) (laughs) You see blue skies when I see clouds. What does that mean? It means they're opposites, right? How many of you in your relationship, you find that so much of who you are, you're just different. One's a morning person, one's a night person. You get it? And, and that's how we can fit and we come together because if we were both alike, we would, we would never even fit one another. You know, male and female, that's how God made us. Equal, but different. Equal, but different. Men are typically bigger and stronger, right? Now, now look, just look at the facts. Look at the Olympic records, let's say for track. Pick the 100 meters. The men's times are always faster than the women's time. There may be a time that that changes. But, but through all of these centuries, this is how it's been. Because men and women are different in that men are typically bigger, typically stronger. Not always, but typically. God made us different. God made men to defend and protect and women to support and nurture. Candace said in her song, you'd take off your jacket 
and shiver in the cold. She said in her song, you'd cross through the fire and wade through the flood. You'd do anything to show me your love. What is all of that? Chivalry. It is not dead to take off your coat and walk through the fire and wade through the flood. That's chivalry. That's her knight in shining armor. That is the prince coming for Cinderella. That is the prince kissing Snow White. A man wants to protect and care for his wife, and men will see that even more next week as we talk about husbands. Candace said, you pick up the heavy so I can run free. And that's what a man should do. A man is to bear the weight and the responsibility of the home. That's his job. The man is to pull the sword and protect his wife and his children and his family. Reminds me of Nehemiah. Remember when the children of Israel came back from the Babylonian captivity? They returned from Babylon back to Israel to Jerusalem, and they were to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, which they did in 52 days. Yet all the neighboring nations were threatening to kill them. Nehemiah gathered all the people together, and he spoke with great fervor. See the screens, Nehemiah 4.14. Nehemiah said, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your, that's a masculine pronoun. Men, fight for your brothers. Men, fight for your sons and your daughters and your wives. Men, masculine pronoun, fight for your homes. And the men did that. You know, they had a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other, the Bible says. How about that? Nehemiah was brilliant. Do you know where he stationed the men to build the wall? They built the section of wall right in front of their house. No way any neighboring enemy is going to get through that section of wall because that's my family right there. And that's what men do. And men, you can feel your pulse racing, the things that I'm talking about. We want to pull the sword and we want to fight to protect our families. Right, men? I mean, guys, after all, it's 2 a.m. in the morning. You're, you and your wife are in the bed, and you hear a clatter in the kitchen. Who goes to check it? You say to your wife, darling, you go check it out, and let me know what you find out as you pull the covers up to your nose. Let me know. Off you go. Come on, man. What's wrong with you? You don't do that, right? Who goes to check it, sir? You do. And you get back in the bed and you say, baby, it's all good. I checked it out. It's just, I don't know, a couple of dishes just fell over in the cabinet. I don't know. It's all good. And she pats you, sir, on the arm or the chest and says, thank you. And in her mind, she thinks, that's my man. That's my man who take off his jacket and shiver in the cold and he'd walk through the flood and walk through the fire for me. 
A wife sees that, and she says, I'll follow him. I'll follow him anywhere. See, watch it again. Wives, see it, Colossians 3.18. Submit. Now watch this. Watch the word you're there. Guess what? Masculine or feminine? Feminine. Wives, submit to your husbands. In the Greek, that means he's your man. He's your possession. That's my man, you say. It's very intimate. It's very personal. And so as a wife, you're willing to submit to him. But there's that nasty word, submit. It's hard to even say it in our culture. What does it mean to submit? You know I looked it up. In the Greek, it means to honor and respect. Would it help to read it that way then? Wives, honor and respect your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. If it helps, fine. But the word submit is not a bad word. It's not an evil word. After all, church, don't we submit to Christ? In the skit, didn't Travis and Nicole do a great job? Nicole was playing a lady named Cat, and Travis was playing a man named Drew. Cat said, I promise before God to love, honor, and respect you as you become more like him. What did Drew say? Drew responded, I promise before God to love, cherish, and protect you as you become more like him. Even the skit writers understand it. Love for both of them, but it was different. Cat said, I'm going to love, honor, and respect you. Drew said, I'm going to love, cherish, and protect you. Different roles. Cat and Drew were right, you know. The purpose of marriage isn't to make us happy. The purpose of marriage is to make us holy. It's been said marriage is the anvil that God uses to make us into the people he wants us to be. Feels like an anvil sometimes, doesn't it? It is the giving of one's life for another. That's what marriage is. Marriage is a suicide to yourself. Because it becomes about the other person, not about you. It's been said it's not true love until there's sacrifice. For God so loved the world, He what? Sacrificed. He gave His one and only Son. You see, church, according to the Bible, marriage is a partnership, and it's mutual. I want to show this to you. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Just go back to the left, go back maybe four or five pages, and go to Ephesians chapter 5, and, and I want you to go to verse 20. This is the companion passage to Colossians 3. In Ephesians 5, the church at Ephesus is being given instruction, much needed instruction, regarding the family, just as the church in Colossae in Colossians chapter 3. And, and I want you to pick up in verse 20, because verse 20 through 27 really help us to understand um, an even greater perspective, because there's more here than just the one verse in, 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 in Colossians 3.18. So Ephesians 5 verse 20, you got it? Ephesians 5.20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this next word. Verse 21, submitting to whom? One another. It's mutual. Out of reverence or respect for Jesus. Then verse 22, 
Wives, submit, that's, okay, honor, respect, your own husband. As to the Lord, that's the same as as is fitting in the Lord. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, watch, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And then we get to the men. And guys, we'll pick up verse 25 here, and we'll, we'll really dive into it next week, but for now we're going to read it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And what did Jesus do for us? Gave himself up for us. He died for us so that he might sanctify, that means to make holy her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he may present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Stop there for a moment. You know what I thought of when I read that? That, that whole idea of washing with water? You know who I thought of? L let me show you a picture, see if you can pick out what this scene is. Upper room. Last Supper, what's Jesus doing? He's washing his disciples' feet. I'm going to tell you something. That right there is the greatest picture of leadership you can ever see. Here is the King of kings and the Lord of lords willing to wash his stinking disciples' feet. Every one of them would desert him, save for John, the only one that would come to the cross. And he washed their feet. He was willing to stoop and to serve. Husbands, are you willing to do that for your wives? Can I tell you what else is a picture of Ephesians 5 as it relates to water? <laughs> I know, men, it's easy to say, well, yeah, I'll take a bullet for my wife, you know, husbands. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. I'll die for her. Would you wash a sink full of dirty dishes? Speaking of water. Would you wash that three-year-old that looks like you? Huh? Give him a bath. Well, that's women's work, preacher. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Women's work, did you say? Where is that? Men's work? Where, where is that? Chapter and verse, please. There is no women's work and no men's work. It's just work. Sir, they talked about it in the skit. You ate off those dishes, wash them. Sir, if you get home before she does and there's a sink full of dishes, do them. Sir, when she sees that you're willing to do that, she'll follow you anywhere. But if you bow up and say, nah, that ain't for me to do, she is not going to respect you. We'll talk about it more next week, this whole idea of love and respect. Men are to love their wives and women are to respect their husbands. Who said I'm sorry first in the skit? Huh? The man did. Sir, lead. Lead in humility. Take the towel and the basin of water and show love and she'll show respect. Lead. Nowhere in Scripture will we find this idea of men's work and women's work. Look, I get it. Like mowing the yard. Some, some ladies like mowing the yard because they can get a little sun. So it's okay. 
So she's mowing the yard and you're in there vacuuming. I mean, it's just got to get done. Every home, there's an economy. There, my the brown house, there's an economy. Mom and dad, we're going to talk about this when we get to the kids. There's an economy. They're part of the economy. That means they work. That means they're chores. Because there's work to be done. And it's just work. It's just work. It's just dishes, sir. You see them first, do them. You, sh you sit down when she does. When a woman sees her man doing that, she'll follow him. And that's why a new bride can write the song lyrics that Candace wrote. See them again on the screens. Candace said, if I ever lost you, I'd fade away. The light would leave me. My world would turn to gray. How would I do it? I hope I'll never know. In your arms, I'm finally home. She said, I don't deserve you. This I know is true. I've never known something as good as you. You'll never leave me, and you'll never walk away. No matter the heartaches, no matter the pain. That's a wife that says, I will submit to my man's leadership, just as we, the church, the bride, submits to the leadership of Jesus. So you see, church, submission is not a bad thing. It's God's desire that wives desire their husbands. Huh? It's God's desire that wives desire their husbands. Go back with me to the beginning. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Go back to the tree. They were told not to eat from the tree. Why? Because we're given free will. Correct? We, we're not robots. We get to choose whether or not we obey. And obey is synonymous with love. If you obey, you love. If you love, you obey. Got it? Who's at the tree? They both are. Did you know that? Eve takes the fruit and eats it and gives some to her husband, who is Genesis 3, 6, with her. But it's like 2 a.m. and he's in the bed with the covers pulled up to his little nose saying, you get him, Eve. You let me know how it works out, baby. What's wrong with you, Adam? See, the roles got reversed. Uh-huh. He wasn't protecting her. The roles got reversed. And she gave some to her husband. And they ate it, and they were cursed. Now, how was the man cursed? The man was cursed where? In the field, in the work, right? By the sweat of his brow, thorns and thistles. And how was she cursed? <laughs> of course, you ladies that have had children, you know. Bearing children. And that's it, right? That's it. That's where the curse ends for her. No, there's a comma there. There he is. It says, and your desire will be for your husband. What was the name of the tree that she's taken the fruit from? Tree of knowledge. And what comes with knowledge? Power. You know what God said to Eve? Your desire will no longer be for power. Your desire will be for your husband. And ladies, I'm sorry, but you've been battling against this since the Garden of Eden. Because it is so easy to want to take up the reins and do it yourself. And men, we're going to talk about next week what it looks like when a man won't take the reins. But ma'am, he can't take the reins if you're white-knuckling those things. Let go of that. 
Let him lead. So many men won't lead because the woman won't let him. I know you can probably do it better than he can, but he's never going to learn unless you let him. Ladies, your desire is to be for your husband. I didn't say that. The Bible does. We struggle with that, though, don't we? When we listen to this message in the year 2020. You know what I'm afraid of, ladies? I'm afraid a lot of women, especially in this generation, have been raised to believe that if they don't try to do everything a man does, that they're somehow not reaching their full potential. And so ultimately, the message of today is to you, ladies, your full potential is in becoming a man. That's wrong. Church, I understand that there is toxic masculinity in our day, but I also know there is toxic femininity. The knife cuts both ways. You see, men, women, boys and girls in this room, God made men and women equal but different. Different roles. Biblically, men are to bear the weight and the responsibility of the home. He takes off his coat. He wades through the fire and the flood. He pulls the sword and protects and leads. It's safe. It's safe. Come on. Come on. It's good. It's good. And the lady's back here. She says, kids, look at him. That's your daddy. That's my husband. That's my man. Men, you feel it, don't you? You feel that? A lady will follow that kind of man. See, this is Colossians 3.18, but there's a comma in that verse as well. That last phrase, we must not forget it. See it again, Colossians 3.18, wives submit to your husbands, oh, as is fitting in the Lord. What does that mean? It means a wife doesn't have to do anything that wouldn't be considered fitting in the Lord. Ladies, submission isn't this idea of bowing down and taking orders from your husband. It is not inferiority. It's respect. But listen, ma'am, even if your husband is not a believer, you know the Scripture says you're still to show respect. I don't have time to have you turn there, but would you take a look at the screens for a moment? Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject, that's the same way of saying submit, respect and honor your own husbands, there's that possession, own husbands, so that even if some do not obey, they're not a Christian, the word, they may be one, not with nagging, they may be one without a word by their conduct of their wives when they see your respectful, respectful and pure conduct. So church, what is the role of the home in God's kingdom? Think about it. God made Adam and Eve, right? He made Adam first out of what? The dirt of the ground. And then he breathed into him. And where did the woman come from? Him. The woman came from the man. Because men, we need help. Ladies, that's a good time to go. Did you hear that? You need help. I'm telling you, ladies... I'm not saying you don't need help, but I'm just saying God made a helper for the man. I need all the help I can get. I'm speaking from my own personal experience. I don't know what I'd do without Pam. 
I trust her opinion. And I trust her judgment more than I trust mine. A million times over. When I walked Candace down the aisle, see the picture of that again? I was giving her away. Do you know who brought Eve to Adam? God did. Read it in Genesis. The Bible says, and God brought Eve to Adam. So think of God in, in my place and think of Candace being Eve. And God said to Adam, here's your fitter. This will make you whole. Think of that. Adam had God and was still lonely. I don't even know how to part my brain around that. And for this earth, God made him a helper. See, in heaven there is no marriage. We're brothers and sisters. But on this earth, we need one another. Equal, but different. What did God want? God said to Adam and Eve, once he brought Eve to Adam, what did he say to them? Be fruitful and multiply. Right? So God wants a bunch of people. No, he wants more than that. Can I show you what he wants? Take a look at the screens. The last book in the Old Testament is Malachi, the prophet. Malachi 2.15 says, did he not make them one? He's speaking of their marriage union, becoming one flesh with a portion of the Spirit, the capital S, Holy Spirit in their union. And what was the one God seeking? Just kids? Just offspring? No! What's the word? Godly offspring. God wants kids for heaven because there's two options, heaven or hell. God didn't want just kids. He wants those that will go to heaven and be with Him. So guard yourselves, the Bible says, in your spirit, and let not one of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. To have a Christian home church, we've got to have people, though, in the home teaching about Jesus. You see, the problem in our culture today is nobody's ever home. Most children today are not being raised by their parents. They're being raised instead by the schools, the teachers, the coaches, the nurseries, the daycare workers, and for many, kids today are being raised by their phones. Church, somebody has to raise the kids. Somebody's got to raise those young'uns. God wants godly offspring, but this doesn't happen by osmosis. The family is broken in America. Look at what's happened in this country in the last 50 to 60 years. Look, look, ask a school teacher what it's like today versus what it was like even 20 years ago. It's out of control. The family in America is broken because the family is no longer the priority. Material possessions are. The pursuit of money, stuff, things, houses, cars, vacations, retirement. And the kids are the ones left in the lurch. It's almost like they're inconvenient and in the way of our pursuit. I want to show this to you. It won't take just a moment. Turn to Titus. You're, all you got to do is make a right-hand turn now. All the T's are together in the New Testament in alphabetical order. 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Go to Titus chapter 2. 
down to verse 3. Paul is writing to Titus, whom he has left on the Isle of Crete in the Mediterranean Sea, appointing elders and teaching what it looks like to have Christian homes. And he's speaking here, picking up in verse 3, Titus 2, 3, to the women. Now watch this. Older women, we'll go to the men next week, we'll go to the same passage, but to the women today. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands, see it, love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the Word of God may not be reviled. What does that mean, the Word of God may not be reviled? That the Word of God and His divine design be not discarded for something else. You say, what does all this mean, Pastor? It means don't neglect the home. That's what it means. Now listen, ladies, the phrase working at home there in verse 5 doesn't mean that a lady can't have a job outside the home. The Proverbs 31 woman bought and sold land and linens, but three-fourths of Proverbs 31 was written describing a godly wife and mother as it related to her being a wife and mother in the home. Here's the point. The home must be a priority. It doesn't mean that you can't do other things, but somebody's got to raise the kids. Let me give you a stat. According to research done by Focus on the Family, the first seven to eight years of a child's life are the most important in the shaping of that child, and no one can shape them like their mama. That's the stat. So mom and dad, if you're here today and you've got little ones in your home, particularly under the ages of seven and eight, you really need to ask yourself, what are our priorities? What is going to be our standard of living? So often it comes down to that, doesn't it? It comes down to economics and stuff. Would you consider a more modest lifestyle knowing that you've only got a short season, a short window of time to impact those children? It's all about seasons, folks. It's all about, look at some of us old folks. I mean, I've got grandkids now and I do not know how that happened just like that. It goes by so fast. People are more important than things. Christian mom, wife, God made you along with motherhood, potentially, if that's for your life. And yes, God gives all kinds of opportunities and callings to women, amazing things to be done in your life. And those are all wonderful blessings, for sure. But what is your greatest blessing, ma'am, if you have children? They are. Your greatest treasure. And somebody has to be available to raise the children so that they can become godly. What's happened in America in the last 50 years? Are we more godly? Who's raising the children? God desires godly offspring, and that takes time and intentional effort mom and dad. Remember the folks at Mission Control? Remember I showed you this last week? Remember those guys at Mission Control? They never left for three days. They slept on the floor. They never took a shower. They, they ate what was brought to them in bags. Why? Because they had a short window of time to get those astronauts home. We've got a short window of time. You see this picture? This is the family 
And where are they? What are they standing in front of? The cross? The cross, I think of the sacrifice, the intentionality of Jesus coming for that rescue mission. For who? His bride! Us! The wife of Christ, that's who we are. I think of the words of Candace's song, and we'll be done. She said, I don't deserve you. Oh, let's see these words now as if we're saying them to Jesus, shall we? Since we're the wife of Christ, we can now say to Jesus, Jesus, I don't deserve you. This I know is true. I've never known something as good as you. You'll never leave me. You'll never walk away, no matter the heartaches, no matter the pain. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you till the end of time. That's the husband, Christ. And what he says to the bride, Jesus came for us. And what does he ask for us to do? Submit. Submit. Honor and respect him. So now we can read Colossians 3.18 this way. See Colossians 3.18 last time. Wives, that would be us. We're part of the bride of Christ. The bride submits to Jesus, the husband, because that's fitting in the Lord. And so, church, if we will make Jesus the priority, then we'll have a Christian home. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.